today on It's Time. Your testimony, your demonstration of faith to an individual which the Lord is moving on in the day of this time and then have that person reject that. You think about that for a minute. The gospel to a worldly person may not always make sense. Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry of Pastor Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, Pastor Mike is in 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll be talking about evangelism, the fact that even though you might present a perfect argument, it can still fall on ears that refuse to hear. With more, here's Pastor Mike. And so we're just going to continue our study looking at the words of this disciple of Jesus that firsthand observed Jesus's life for over three years, looking at all the things which Jesus did and the conclusions that he came to as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. And so let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and we thank you, God, for all that you do for us. Lord, we thank you for the inspiration that you give to each one of our hearts, to that which you give to others. And so, Lord, may you use these words to encourage us and to bless us and remind us, God, again, who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, friends, the reason why I think that's so important to be reminded is because the world does everything it can do to remind you who you're not. (laughs) Uh, They work overtime for that. And as we look at this, you'll find as we go back to verse 9, 1 Peter 2, 9, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness uh, into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Here, the Bible says you're, you're special. I like that. Never forget that. When you're having a bad day, remember, you're special. Because to God, you are uniquely, as David said, and wonderfully made. He also tells us here that you're a nation, which means we move outside of the singular, but we then move into the plurality that together we are special. And what we do together as a group of people is far greater than we could do individually. Never forget that God has placed around you brothers and sisters in the Lord who love him that will help you as you help them do what God's called you to do. It's too big a job to do on your own. You can't do it. But God's put people around you that will greatly help you do what God wants you to do. God has a purpose, a directive for each one of us. And again, as we seek to know the Lord, God opens those doors and shows us. Now, sometimes it's very clear, and I love it when it's that way. And then sometimes it's in the fog. And some of you understand what I mean. You go along in your Christian experience, and you're going, God, I want your will, I want your will, I want your will. Hello. And it's like God doesn't hear. God's like far away. How can I know God's will? And so... Sometimes we find ourselves as Christians kind of bumbling, stumbling through this life trying to find out what God wants for us. Well, I'd like to encourage you in something here. As you seek the Lord each day, as you ask God to um, have and live his life through you, I believe the events of your life each day lead you into that place where God wants you to be. 
Now, sometimes, yes, it is very clear. Sometimes it is not so clear. But even when it's not clear, it does not mean that God is not directing you. And this, friends, I believe is where the, the you might say, the essence of faith becomes real, is that we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to continue to trust you, even though I may not completely know what you're, you're doing in my life. Now, I think a lot of times, most of the time we as Christians, we probably know more of when God's not doing something in our life than when we are. Amen? You know, you, you get up in the morning, you know, there's the dog drooling, and you, and you go, um, okay, God, another day. I'm going to trust you. And, you know, we don't have angels appearing on the hood of our cars, or as you come up to the intersection, turn left. Thank you, Lord. And a lot of people, and, I, and I'm sure we've all been around those that seem to be that way. Well, I got up this morning, and the Lord told me this, and then the Lord told me that, and then the Lord told me to have two eggs uh, over easy, and then the Lord told me to have breakfast, and I, and, and I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. There's a lot of Christianese that can come on sometimes. And I'm not saying that God at different times doesn't talk to us like that, because I think he does. But I do also believe that in that relationship that we have with God, usually it is God arranging the circumstances in our life so that he can live our lives through us, a chosen and a holy generation. Once outside of the family of God, now inside the family of God. Verse 11. Beloved, I beg of you, as aliens or sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Literally, sinful desires that take your heart away from God. Now, friends, don't think you're special because, well, Mike, you don't seem to understand. I have an old sin nature that loves to sin. Let me tell you something. We all have an old sin nature that loves to sin. But that's where we find here in the Lord, he says, beloved, I beg you. Hey, listen, this is, we all need somebody to lean on. (laughs) He's saying here, you need, you need to be encouraged not to give in to those unctions and feelings, friends. That's why I believe again that, as he said previously, that we're a nation. We're not an individual necessarily in the family of God. We are that. But we're a family of God and you need each other to keep yourself from getting tangled up with people in the world and the desires of the world. And that's why it's really important, if you don't get anything out of today, get Christian friends. Because worldly friends do not hold the attributes and the purposes of God in their heart. And because we wrestle with an old sin nature and we will this side of heaven... And by the way, people have said, well, when I go to heaven, Mike, will I still have the desire to sin? The answer is no. Paul tells us the reason we sin is we have an old sin nature that is bent on that way. And it's when you feed the spirit, you have power over the flesh, over your old body that wants to do things contrary to the spirit of God. That you will then be victorious and do what God wants you to do. But people of the world don't have that ethic. And I I believe that if you think about it for a minute... You, you can think that, that worldly people have been a number one demise in your spirituality if you think back over the years. Maybe it was a girlfriend or a boyfriend or somebody you used to go out and go partying with or whatever and you become a Christian and you haven't seen it for a while. Hey, the phone rings. Let's go get a little drinky poo. And, and you go, I don't think I want to do this. Well, I know I'll go along and be a witness for Christ. And you find that you get tangled up in it. You say, and and, you know, sometimes in the Christian experience, we get so 
defeated, you might say, because we go, that was not my intention. I thought it might happen, but it was not my intention to do that. You know, it's the old saying, well, I got my arm broken five places. Well, then stay out of them kind of places. You know, (laughs) you don't want to allow yourself to be in a position to have your heart taken away from God. That's why, again, friends, get Christian friends. I believe that's such an important part of our Christian experience. Paul befriending, you might say, uh, the different churches was an encouragement to them. Peter here befriending the reader saying, I beg you, don't get tripped up because we have this weakness in our life. There's a lot of people think, I'm super Christian and I don't get tempted. Well, then you're lying to yourself. Because this side of heaven, you're going to wrestle, the Bible says, with an old sin nature that's contrary to the Spirit of God. And if the devil gets you wrapped up in his thing, you aren't going to be doing God's thing. And so that's why the stakes are high. Don't you know the devil knows that every person that he can take away from the family of God, or you might say preoccupy with things that don't matter, That you're not only out of the race, but also those that you will influence will not be talked to and influenced by the Spirit of God. We're going to read on here and you're going to see why that is important. Let's look. Having your conduct, verse 12, among the Gentiles. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers... They may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. There's a lot in this verse. Let's look at it. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when, notice the word isn't if. It's not if the world brings accusation against you, saying you're an evildoer. It says when. That tells me a lot. That tells me that every one of us as Christians, you're going to be accused by the world as a Christian of being an evildoer. Isn't that amazing? What do you see today? Right is wrong and wrong is right. And if you go against the status quo of our society and say, no, these things are wrong. You're an evildoer. You're narrow-minded. You're a fundamentalist. But when we as Christians stand up and have some moral backbone and we say, no, that's not right. Well, they don't like what you have to say. Notice he says, when they speak against you as evildoers, that they may know your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. This word observe in the Greek literally means carefully watching over a period of time. Isn't that amazing? Not an occasional glance. In other words, day in, day out, those people, knuckleheads that you work with, Or in this particular case, sometimes those people that you're married to, if you're married to somebody that's not a Christian, and it says over a period of time, observe your good works. Do you know they build a defense against you and your testimony because their guilty conscience will not let them accept maybe what God is doing in your life. In other words, you're, they, they see who you are. They see your, your, your nature. Now, again, we look at this. It's over a period of time. That doesn't mean all of us that we don't have what we call bad days. <laughs> where somebody comes in, for, for instance, where you worked 
and uh, they see you in a bad day and you're you're kind of mad and rah, 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 and you actually throw a wrench across the shop or something. Well, that's not good, of course. But you know, when you go and you apologize to everybody for doing that, that shows conscience. They throw wrenches all the time. Nobody says a thing. They cuss and swear and act like idiots. And you know, and, and, and you, you say a word and then the Lord unctions you to go say you're sorry. Well, it shows that there's a, that there's a conscience inside of you. The world sees that. They observe that. And they weigh Christianity. Is there something really to this belief in God that restores and and rebuilds and puts back into a dead man a conscience? His spirit. They see it. And it says the world watches. Now they're going to accuse you of things. We already know that. And here it says, but over a period of time, in observation of who you are as a Christian... It challenges them. Now, this gets into something very unusual. It says that they will glorify God in the day of visitation. What is that? The day of visitation? Is that where people come to your door and knock and say, Oh, I'm so glad you're here? Or is it when finally the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on the door of their heart and says, You've observed a Christian. You have observed Christians. You've seen their lifestyle. You know the person before they accepted and after they accepted the Lord. What are you going to do with Jesus? The day of visitation, friends, is an interesting day. It's a day in which the reality of God comes to a person's life. And friends, it happens to every person, I believe, that lives on this earth. The day of visitation. It's a scary thing. Most of you listening today in the day of your visitation, said yes to Christ. That's why you're here, and that's why you're on your path of glory for eternity. There are others, however, that reject the day of their visitation. Because God is good, oftentimes God will come back again and again and again. The Bible says that God's Spirit will not always strive with man. That's why when the gospel makes sense to you, in the day of your visitation, respond. Don't put it off because today you may understand that you're a sinner. You need to be saved. Yes, I know Jesus died on the cross for me. Hmm, what should I do about that? I I think that sounds like, I think heaven sounds a lot better than hell. I think I'll do that. The day of visitation. And based upon Paul's, or uh, uh, Peter says here, based upon the testimony of others, speaking of you, when that day of visitation comes, they know God is real. Do you, do you, you know what's so strange? Is that God is endeavoring to reach people. Those rebellious twerps, God endeavors to reach us. And you know also, I, I believe it's so amazing that in God endeavoring to reach us, inside of us, there's an endeavoring to reach God. And sometimes it's why... You can sit there and try to talk somebody in the Lord. Well, you know, let me show you some Bible verses. And you go over the Bible with them and, and they go, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, I'm, I'm really happy you found God. Have you ever had people say that to you? I go, man, I'm glad it works for you. Well, first of all, God ain't an it. And it isn't like some kind of a lucky charm you wear around your neck that you rub and all of a sudden God does things for you. I'm glad it works for you. The day of visitation is an interesting day. 
In fact, it's amazing. Go back to the Old Testament and look how many times. Next time you, you're in your Bible studies, it personally, you know, individually or, or in a group, look at that day. The day in which God reveals himself to an individual. Remember, remember um, Belshazzar, Old Testament, book of Daniel. They were partying down, drinking wine in the cups that they had taken in their conquest of Jerusalem and Israel. As they hauled away the children of Israel captive to Babylon. And we remember Belshazzar was sitting there and they were all getting drunk. And he said, bring those goblets that we got from the house of the Lord in Israel and let us drink wine in them. Mocking God. So out comes the cups, out comes the toasts. And in the middle of their party, a hand starts writing on the plaster on the wall. Now, if you can reminisce this, how did people notice that? Have you ever heard somebody drag fingernails down a chalkboard? Now, imagine somebody dragging fingers down on a chalkboard real hard. Insomuch that the hand is all they could see carving into the plaster some words across. Well, it said that Belshazzar got so freaked out. It says his knees smote one another. Now, He didn't know what it read. He didn't understand what it was saying. He brought in his magic men, his soothsayers, his magicians, said, what does this mean? Never mind how it got there, but what does this mean? And they looked at each other, scratched their heads, said, we don't know. Then somebody said, remember Daniel was part of your grandfather's administration, and he could understand anomalies and and, and spiritual things. Go get, get, get him and see what he's got to say about it. Daniel comes in, looks at it, says, God's found you in the balances and you're a lightweight. Your kingdom's over. And what was amazing there is in his day of visitation, instead of Belshazzar falling on his knees and repenting, he hardens his heart. Look at Pharaoh in the Old Testament. The ten plagues that came upon the, the nation of Egypt. The day of his visitation. You would think at the first plague that that would have brought Pharaoh to his knees. But no. The day of his visitation went unheeded. This day of visitation all the way through the Bible is interesting. We remember in the Bible, in other places, where God showed who he was to people. Remember Herod, for instance. Where the wise men came and he said, Oh, well, tell me when you find the child that I may come and worship him too. Only for the angels, uh, you might say the, the wise men, to be warned in a dream not to return back to Herod, but go a different path. It was his visitation. And they missed it. I wonder how many times people have a visitation from the Lord and it is the last time. You know, that's a scary thing to me. To realize that your testimony, your demonstration of faith, to an individual which the Lord is moving on in the day of this time and then have that person reject that is a scary thing. You think about that for a minute. The gospel to a worldly person may not always make sense. If it makes sense to you today that you're a sinner, that Jesus died in your place, that you will never go to heaven on your own merit, you being good on your own, You puffing yourself up with pride, saying, well, I am certainly not as bad as the person that lives next door or those criminals. But when the gospel makes sense to you, realizing you're a sinner, and when you realize that one sin is sufficient to send us to our eternal damnation, friends, you think about that for a minute, you go, man, 
It's a good thing there's an antidote called Jesus Christ that can forgive my sins and take me to heaven. As we talked about this before, as the Bible says, we clothe ourselves in his righteousness. There's nothing about you and me that's righteous, but God's righteousness clothes us, wraps around us. And that's what makes us holy. Now, if that makes sense to you, the Lord's knocking on the door of your heart if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. If you are a Christian, God's affirming to you his promise and covenant to you that yes, as a matter of fact, your testimony, your life on this planet does matter. Observation, people looking at you and seeing over a period of time, is this person really what they say they are? You know, I've seen people that, that, aren't, Christ, uh, that, that aren't Christians as they observe even You might say sometimes a funky backslidden Christian realizes that even in that person that is maybe not always walking with the Lord the way they should, they realize that there's something there that troubles them when they sin. Maybe you've even seen that in your own life. That the things that you used to be able to go out and do before you were Christian and not maybe think twice about it, or you might have had a little regret. I'll just jump in the shower, try to shower, wash it off. I'll feel okay in the morning. That's Pastor Mike Kessler with It's Time. I'd like to take this moment to invite you to get your free copy of It's Time to Grow, the new believers booklet written by Pastor Mike. It's Time to Grow answers many of the questions new believers have in a clear and concise manner, followed by the scripture references for each statement made. It's Time to Grow can be yours simply by dialing 800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Or you can order it online for free at csnradio.com. Don't forget, if you'd like a copy of today's program, you can call our toll-free line I mentioned before, and that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, the daily free podcast is available through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the iTunes Store. On behalf of Pastor Mike and all of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's time.